Every journey begins with a first step. The path is rarely clear, filled with challenges and distractions that pull us away from our ultimate goal. But we can be ready, ready to run the race, to fan the flame, to fight the good fight. With courage and persistence, each step brings us closer. And even though we can't see the finish line, we can be ready for it. Look to the end, run hard, and finish well. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, and welcome to the conclusion. We've been in this great series called Finish Well, and so today is the conclusion of this series, and I've just been so excited about what God's been teaching us in and through this series. Uh, you know, growing up, uh, my dad and I, we really kind of connected through sports. My dad uh, played college baseball, and so uh, we would always go out and throw the ball, and we'd throw the football. It was just always, it was just, that's the way we kind of grew up connecting. And, and I remember growing up, you know, you always wanted to beat my dad, you know, and, and I finally, like, I think it was high school or something, I finally beat him in a foot race. I was so excited, you know, because it was just hard. He was a good athlete. But, but one of my dad, the sport I could never beat him in was golf. He was just a great golfer. And I, I don't know, I just could never beat him. And so growing up, you know, middle school, high school, college, and then after college, I still never beat my dad. And, and I, we would go out and play, and I could hit the ball further than he could, right? So we'd be off the tee, and I could hit my driveway past him. We'd be walking down the fairway, and he would look at me, and he would say, he'd have all these little sayings, right? He's like, it's not how you drive, it's how you arrive. And I'm like, oh, thanks, Dad. You know, like, and sure enough, I mean, I get up there and my next shot's like off in the water, you know, or on a sand trap, and he just hits on the green, makes a putt, and I'm like, and then we would go to the next hole, and I'd outdrive him again, and he would say, you drive for show, you putt for dough, you know. I'm like, thanks, Dad, you know. I mean, he had all these sayings all the time, and I'll never forget, I mean, I must have been like 27 years old when we were playing, we came to the last hole, and we were tied, and, you know, we're both getting ready to putt. And, and by the grace of God, somehow I made my putt. And then I'm praying, God, let him miss, let him miss, you know. And sure enough, he missed it. And I threw my putter in the air. And I'm like dancing around on the green. I was so excited. But I think about that often, right? It's not how you drive. It's how you arrive. And we've been in this great series, this great series. And we've been talking about this. It's not how you start. It's how you finish, right? It's not how you start in life. It's how you finish in life. Ravi Zacharias, he says this, starting well is a momentary thing. Finishing well is a lifelong thing. And my hope and my prayer for all of us, for all of you, is that we would finish well. Because the fact is, we've all had a great start. I mean, really, just by virtue of being born in the United States, by virtue of education, opportunities, jobs, by virtue of people who've poured into us, I mean, you maybe have parents or grandparents who walked with the Lord, or you, people poured into you, or you're here now at church today. We've had a great start, but it's not how we start, it's how we finish. It's that we run this race marked out for us, and we finish well. Now, in our series, we've been looking at this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to kind of his son in the faith, Timothy. And it's the last letter that Paul wrote. And you know, if you, it's your last words, you're going to put a lot of thought into that, right? You're going to say, I want this... I want you to know this. I want you to get this. See, Paul's in prison in Rome. Emperor Nero has him there. Paul knows he's going to die. He's going to die for being a Christ follower. So he writes this letter to Timothy, and he says, Timothy, 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 you finish well. Timothy, you've had a great start. Your mom is awesome. She's poured into you. You know, your, your grandmother, 
They've poured into you. You've been with me on church planning trips. We've been on mission trips all over. But listen, I'm handing the baton to you. And you finish well. Fan into flame what God started in your heart. And I think that's what God's saying to every one of us. Hey, finish well. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some free Bibles in the back. Love to give you one. We'll also put the scripture on the screen so you can follow along with what God's Word has to say. But as you turn there, remember that this is a letter, okay? The chapter numbers and the verses, all that was added later on to help us find a certain verse or a certain reference. But this was a letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. And he, Paul's writing to him, and Timothy's probably in Ephesus, and Paul's in Rome, and he's like, hey, send this over to him. And so he gets this letter, and Paul has been saying all this incredible truth to him in chapters 1, 2, 3, and now in chapter 4, he's coming to the end of the letter. And he's saying, hey, I'm going to just lay it on the line, Timothy. Here's what I want you to know if you're to finish well. So pick up chapter 4, verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. So Paul starts off and says, hey, Timothy, 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 remember this. In view of God, who judges the living and the dead, right? Think about your life in view of God. He's you see, we all live our lives for the approval of somebody, don't we? I mean, there's people who live for the approval of their boss. And so it doesn't matter what time of day. It doesn't matter if they're with their family at dinner or they're on vacation. Man, if their phone goes off and they're looking, right? Because I've, this is a big deal, right? I mean, this is my boss, right? I'm living for the, or other people, I mean, they live for the approval of a parent. Sometimes that parent's already died and gone to heaven and they're still living for that approval, uh, some people live for the approval of others. They just want to look good, you know, and so they're always about, how do I look? Uh, somebody once said, you know, we spend money we don't have, you know, to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't even know. It's true, isn't it? I mean, we, buy, we spend money we don't have, we go into debt to buy things we really don't need to impress people we don't even know, you know, and I want them to check it out. I mean, check out what I'm driving, what I look like, and you know, what I wear, what I, we do all that. But here's what Paul would say to Timothy. Timothy, 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 you live your life for an audience of one. You live your life for an audience of one in view of God who judges the living and the dead. In view of his kingdom, his appearing. You, you live your life for him. And he says, I give you this charge. I give you this charge. Verse 2, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. You know? Some of you are like, well, I'm out on that one because I'm not a preacher. All right? So preach the word. Timothy, it's all you. No, 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 no. Every one of us is preaching something. Every one of us is preaching something. Every one of us is preaching with our lives. We preach what we value. We preach what we, you know, put our faith and our trust in. We're preaching with our lives. And he says, Timothy, you preach the word. You preach God's word. You preach God's truth all the time, in season and out of season. Whether it's a good day or a bad day, whether things are going really well or things are really hard. In season and out of season, what are you preaching? Preach the word. St. Francis of Assisi, there's a quote attributed to him that says this. Preach the gospel at all times. And if necessary, use words. <laughs> 
Because you see, our life is always preaching. Our life is always communicating. And so Paul comes back and goes, hey, if you're going to communicate something, communicate the word of God. Preach the word of God. Because the word of God, it's to correct, rebuke, and encourage. That's what it'll do. And Paul's time back in, if you remember in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, where he says, all scripture is God-breathed. That's the Holy Spirit. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. He's like, you teach. Now, in order to teach or to correct, rebuke, and encourage, we must know the word, right? So if we're going to preach the word or we're going to use the word to correct, rebuke, and encourage, then we've got to know the word. So he's like, Timothy, spend time here, right? Spend time. The letters I'm writing you, understand those. The Old Testament, know that. Live that out. I love God's word because God's word is alive and active. And what's amazing about God's word is like when we come into worship and we study in a passage of scripture, there ought to be a time that there's like a challenge in our soul and our spirit, right? Because the word of God's alive. And in our lives, there's like, sometimes there's a rebuke, there's a, a correction. Sometimes there's like, hey, you know, you're kind of a disagreement here and that's probably your fault, probably not their fault, you know, and you've been blaming it on somebody else. That's the word of God speaking to us. But this is where we align our lives. In our lives, see, here's the thing. We stay step in step with God. We hold on to him and draw close to him. But when we begin to drift, even if we just get off like 1%, even if we just kind of like, ah, I'm going to kind of move away from the word of God, what happens in a week or year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, next thing you know, we're way over here. And that's why you need the word of God, always drawing you back to the heartbeat of God. So it says in verse 3, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. <laughs> Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. And in that true of our culture, a lot of times people want to go, where they, hey, you just tell me what I want to hear. <laughs> you just tell me what's going to make me happy. And God's word always does. God's word brings joy and it brings life. But there is a time of correction in God's word. And there is a time of conviction that's through God's word. Because God's word is truth. And here's the thing about truth. Truth is not relative. Right? We live in a culture, a society that says, hey, what's truth for you may not be truth for me. And that's okay. You can believe what you want to believe. And, you know, but we need a standard. It's not my opinion or somebody else's. But we need a standard. If you don't have a standard of truth, then how do you know what is truth, right? Somebody may say, hey, I believe it's okay to kill somebody. Well, I don't. You know, I don't, I don't think so. Well, that's your opinion. I mean, fine for you until the person you kill. I mean, that, yeah, the, at some point, you got to come back and say, no, there is a standard. And Paul's going, there is a standard. <laughs> it's sound doctrine. <laughs> it's the word of God. Know it. Live it. If you're to finish well, you need to know the word. And then verse 5, he says, hey, but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. So he says these four things, Timothy, if you're to finish well, he says, hey, hey, listen to this. Don't let anger get the best of you. Keep your head in all situations. And isn't that true? How many people have toward the end of their life let anger get the best of them? You know what I'm saying? And it's like, man, they're, they're running, but then they get stressed out and all the pressure, and, and then they blow up. 
And they get mad at a spouse or a friend or their kids, and then there's abuse, and it's physical or it's verbal, because they couldn't keep their head in a situation. And they didn't finish well. As believers, as followers of Jesus, guys, we ought to be the calmest ones in any situation. Really, God's in control, God's sovereign, God's got this, my faith is in him. I don't have to yell and scream and make my point, you know, and make everybody kind of come under what I think. He's going, don't let anger get the best of you, Timothy. If you do that, I'm telling you, you're not going to finish well. There's going to be some hardships that you're going to face. And then he says, secondly, endure hardship. Be faithful even in the hard times. Be faithful. And that goes back to chapter one where he said, hey, you're going to face some suffering, Timothy. It's going to come. I'm in prison writing this, okay? So you're going to face some challenges, but you be faithful even in the hard times. And I want to challenge you and encourage you. Maybe you're going through a tough season in life. Maybe you're going through some difficulties that, hey, you hold on to God. God's not finished with your story yet. You stay faithful. And then he says, hey, the work of an evangelist. Share Jesus with the people around you. And some people go, well, I'm not an evangelist. That's not me, right? I'm not a preacher. I'm not an evangelist. Well, yeah, you are. I mean, Christianity is not a private faith. Christianity is not, hey, I'll go sit out on a mountain somewhere. And, you know, Christianity, there's a time where you go and you get away, commune with the Lord. But Christianity is to be lived out in the world. We're in the world. We're not of the world. And what the world needs is Jesus, right? What we need is Jesus. What our home needs is Jesus. What our neighborhood needs is Jesus. What our world needs is Jesus. Jesus is the hope of the world. And so he says, Timothy, Timothy, you can get into to doing all kinds of things, but, but don't forget about Jesus. Do the work of an evangelist. Share Jesus with the people around you. And then the fourth one, right? Do the duties of your ministry. Serve others. See, we all have a ministry. We all have gifts or talents or abilities. You know what I know about? You guys are geniuses. I mean, I brag on you all the time to everybody out there. But you guys are geniuses. And you're going, well, I'm not a genius. Yeah, you are. You're a genius in a certain area. We're not geniuses in all areas, but in certain areas, man, we are. You know, I look up here at the worship team, and I'm just like, man, these guys are so incredible. I would love to sing like that. I would love to play electric guitar like that. I mean, right? You know, I can't do that. I mean, they have a gift or talent, but you have a gift. You have a talent. You have an ability that God has given you. And some of you, your gift is leadership. Some of you, it's teaching. Some of you, it's serving. You are just so good at seeing needs around you. And you can care for people in an unbelievable way. You have the gift of hospitality. Somebody's sick immediately, you're thinking, I'm going to bring food, you know? And man, nobody, when they're sick, wants me cooking for them. I mean, it'd be terrible, right? So, but you have that gift. And God is saying to Timothy and God's saying to us, use those gifts, serve others. And your life, your Christian life, your life in general comes alive when we dive into the word of God and we use the gifts God's given us for his glory. It's amazing. So Paul says, hey, Timothy, you finish well. Live your life, right? Remembering that God is in control and God's watching and he's with you. Live your life for his approval, not anybody else. Find your worth and your validation in him. Serve him. Preach with your life, right? Preach with your life and then let it flow out of you in the way you serve, in the way you give back. And then he comes down to verse six and this is where the Apostle Paul gets real personal. This is where he just kind of shows his heart. He's been challenging Timothy. He's been passing that baton to Timothy. Timothy, I'm going to die. It's you now. You know, you go. But here's where he just kind of hones in on his heart. 
And he says, verse six, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. You know, a drink offering back in this day, when people would go to worship at the temple and the Jews would go there, they would, they would offer a sacrifice on the altar. And it would be like a, a lamb or it'd be doves. It would be some kind of sacrifice. But there would be times that they would do a drink offering where they would take a goblet of, of wine and they would pour it out on the altar as an offering. And Paul goes, that's me. <laughs> My life being poured out for the glory of God. And I just think Paul's like, man, I want every drop on that altar. I want everything in me. See, for the apostle Paul, Paul gave his best for the glory of God. Paul wasn't his leftovers. It wasn't a part-time thing. It was like, I'm going to give my best. I want to be totally, completely poured out for the Lord. And then he says in verse 7, which is one of the most famous verses in the Bible, but here comes Paul and he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Man, don't you want to be able to say that at the end of your days? Whenever that is, don't you want to be able to say, I fought the good fight. I finished the race, the race that was marked out for me, and I have kept the faith. That's my prayer for all of us. See, Paul finished well, and I pray that we will too. I pray that we will too. In verse 8, Paul says, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. You know, there will be a day of judgment that we'll face. All of us, we're going to die. We don't like to think about it, you know, and hopefully we have a lot of years. God still has a plan, a purpose for us on this earth. But when we do, we're going to stand before God. And God's going to ask us. He's going to say, what did you do with my son Jesus? What did you do? I mean, did you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, or did you kind of stiff arm him and say, no, I'm going to live my own life, I'm going to do my own thing? And then there will be a judgment. And God's going to say, what did you do with what you were given? The gifts, the talents, the abilities. Did you use it just to build your own little kingdom over here, kind of turn in on yourself? Or did you use it to further my kingdom, to make a difference, to impact the world for my glory, to pass the baton to the next generation? And then there'll be rewards given in heaven based on what we do on this earth. You can go read Revelation. It talks about these crowns. And, and, and Paul goes, hey, now there's in store for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. But not only to me, Paul says, to all those who've longed for his appearing. Now, I don't think we're going to walk around in heaven with a crown and go, wow, look, they got so many crowns. They got a ton of crowns. I didn't get that many crowns. But I think we're going to get these crowns, and I think we're going to turn around and just lay them at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> we're just going to be like, Jesus, is all for you. Thank you. What an unbelievable life that you gave me, and I just want to give you the glory. Thank you. And just give them back. And then, and then Paul goes on and he gives these personal remarks about people in his life, people who helped him, who served with him. He's just like, thank you, thank you. You were great. You were awesome. And, and here's the thing to remember. Paul wasn't a Lone Ranger Christian. And if Paul wasn't a Lone Ranger Christian, then we definitely shouldn't be Lone Ranger Christians, right? I mean, we all need each other. We need community. We need church. We need the body of Christ locking arms together. And Paul needed that. And we need that. So as you look through 2 Timothy, Paul gives us this recipe for how to finish well. And here's what he would tell us. Here's what he would tell us. Focus on Jesus. He is the starting line and the finishing line. All right, focus on Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews is, 
is this great book. It, it was written, we don't know by whether the Apostle Paul or Apollos or whoever wrote Hebrews, but whoever it was, they loved sports. And I, and I get into that because that was pretty cool. And they had the Olympics back then. And so they say in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer says this. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and you can almost picture him thinking about a stadium. And, and he's saying, hey, your Christian life, think about this. You're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Who's in your cloud of witnesses? Maybe your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents who walked with the Lord, and they're up there, and they're cheering you on. They're going, man, live it all. I want to tell you, there's people who are all up there. They're, they're cheering us on. It says, now that you're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run this race marked out for us with perseverance. And then verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 12, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the author. The starting line happens when you become a follower of Jesus. When you say, I've surrendered, you know. I'm trying to live life my own way. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I give my life to you. And you're starting this race and you're running. But it says he's the author and perfecter. See, the goal of your life is to be conformed to the image of Christ. That your life and my life would look more and more like Jesus every day. And the goal is for us to focus on Jesus and be running into the arms of Jesus. The finish line is not like, hey, when I retire, I'm done, peace out, you know, or the finish line's not when my kids go off to school and do whatever I want, right? The finish line's not when I get enough of my 401k. The finish line's Jesus. And in a race, the runners aren't running and looking around at the crowd going, hey, check them out. They're here. I didn't know they were coming. That's fantastic. I'm glad they're here. Hey, wow, look at all. The runners are focused on the finish line. And Paul's going, focus there. Focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Second way to finish well is this, to fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. Realize you're in a spiritual battle. You're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle. And we have an enemy who doesn't want us to succeed. We have an enemy who doesn't want us to reach our full potential in Christ. And if we forget that, then we think it's all about us. <laughs> but sometimes there's a disagreement in your marriage I know that doesn't happen often, but sometimes every now and then, right, there's a disagreement there, or there's a disagreement with your kids, and, and you start to, like, get angry or mad, and then you have to realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. There's something bigger happening here. And you pray, and you say, God, you know, give me peace in this situation. I want to pray for them. I want to pray for my family. I want to pray. Because there's an enemy who wants to bring division in here. And I'm going to stand up for my family. I'm going to fight for my marriage. I'm going to fight for the things that I love. I'm going to fight the good fight. I'm going to stay strong in the Lord. Just fight the good fight. Hey, realize you're in a spiritual battle and then endure hardship. Be faithful in the hard times and the good times. <laughs> Sometimes it's harder to be faithful in the good times than it is the hard times. Because in the hard times, we need the Lord and we call out to the Lord. And when things are good, sometimes we're like, oh, oh we're off and kind of on our thing. But you got to endure hardship. When you're in this race, sometimes you're going to stumble. Sometimes you're going to fall. And you don't stay down. You get up and you keep going. And that's why you need church. And that's why you need community. That's why you need people around you. Then build God's kingdom. Build God's kingdom. Invest in what will outlive you. Paul and Timothy, they built the church. Right? I mean, they were planting churches all over. And they knew that that was going to outlive them. They knew that the body of Christ was going to outlive them. Somebody once said, plant a tree in whose shade you'll never sit under. <laughs> I love that. 
How are we doing that? How are we investing together? Are we building God's kingdom or just our own? And then pour your life into a Timothy. Pour your life into a Timothy. Who's your Timothy? Who's your Timothy? Now, if you're a parent, Timothy's obviously your kids. If you're a grandparent, right, your grandkids, your aunt and uncle, your nieces, your nephews. But we all have Timothys. If you teach in, in preschool or children or student ministry, you're pouring in to that next generation. If you're a community group leader, who are you pouring into who's gonna take your community group and multiply that group? At work, who are the people who look up to you and you say, hey, I know I'm busy, I got a job to do, but who am I pouring into? Who's your Timothy? Paul recognized that. Paul knew his time was coming up and he's handed the baton to this guy, Timothy. Timothy, you take it and you run with it. Here's the thing, make a difference each day for the glory of God in big ways and little ways. And when you wake up every morning, you just say, God, here I am. God, use me today. I'm not perfect, but God, I'm yours. And in little ways or big ways, God, use me to make a difference. Use me to further your kingdom. I love Eugene Peterson, and Eugene Peterson talks about this, a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. And what's amazing is when you're faithful in those little things, they begin to add up year in, year out. And amazing what God can accomplish through you as you hold on to him, as you trust him, and as you endeavor to finish well. You know, here at Rolling Hills, we, uh, we kind of map out our sermon series about two to three years in advance. And, and so we kind of look around what's going on in 2020, 2021 right now. And, but, but we do that because we want to raise up fully mature disciples. And we want people to be grounded in the truth. And so we try to balance Old Testament teaching and New Testament, we expository teaching and, and topical studies so that we raise up men and women after the heart of God, and godly husbands and fathers and wives and mothers and, and men and women who seek God all the days of their life. And we're seeing that. We're seeing people mature in their faith and their leaders. You guys are leaders in the Lord. Well, about two or three years ago when we were thinking about this series on Second Timothy, we had no idea what God was doing in a bigger way, in a bigger picture. That God was gonna bring a guy to our church named Tim Burke. And Tim Burke, some of you know his story, was living in Southern California, a successful businessman, and had done really well in the mortgage industry, and, and then was diagnosed with cancer. He moved here to Tennessee. He said, yeah, I thought God was bringing me to Tennessee for Vanderbilt Oncology, but God was really bringing me and my family to Tennessee for church because <laughs> he knew what I was going to go through. And he knew I needed people around me and around my wife and around my high school kids because of the journey ahead. Tim has been on this journey battling cancer and multiple chemo treatments, chemo treatments, chemo treatments. And, and about two months ago, I sat down with Tim and just said, hey, Tim, the doctors have told you, you have 90 days left to live and you're kind of coming to the end of the journey. What would you say to us? I mean, you're finishing well. And we're looking at the Apostle Paul who finished well back in his day, but what would you say to us about how we're called to finish well today? Watch this. What would you say to us, you know? What would you say to us as you as you go to heaven, as you get to see Jesus. Um, but what would you say to us who are still here about finishing well, about living our lives with the glory of God? 
At no point, whether in my own private business or in this public business, have I ever felt persecuted. I, I think that's amazing. And I think that oftentimes people in their faith, um, they're gun shy. Um, part of it probably comes from they're not growing enough in their faith and, and they don't have the confidence. So, you know, every day it's got to start with prayer. Find, find a time in the morning where you talk to God, you ask God for his blessing upon that day. and. You talk about the things that need to be accomplished, and then you spend time, you know, in His Word. And to me, it's the difference between, it's just like your equilibrium, like everything's off if I don't do that, just off. But when I'm on and I do that, it just sets the stage for a better day. I've asked God's uh, blessing on the key decisions, the key moments of that day, and you think about it and you go, well, yeah. That makes perfect sense, right? Why would why would we start the day and, and not get that set up with God, right? And then you develop a pattern that you've done that time and time again, and you see God's blessing, right? And then you ask God for blessing over your company and your team, and, and I've seen it over and over again, Jeff, where God blessed me in a certain area. I needed it, but it also, it affected our team. It affected other people. And it's such a, you know, a beautiful thing. And so I felt, I've just felt confident through the years in business, right? I've never felt uh, persecuted. I've just felt like I need to keep growing stronger and stronger in my faith. And God gave me the courage. You know, if there was a thousand people that said, no, we're gonna go in this direction. And I knew it was this direction and I was by myself. Well, God and I are the majority. I'm going in this direction. And that was, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel that pressure. And I, I, I never felt like that in business that I was hurt as a result of that. Uh, people from our former company in California have had so many of those people uh, reach out to me, you know, during this stretch of cancer. and and talk about what it was like to be part of an organization where you can talk about Christ, where there's a Bible study, where I can send, if I wanna talk about Jesus in an email, they're fine with it, right? And how much that meant to them. So my story there is not one of like hardship and persecution because I was trying to live a life for Christ out in the business world. It's been joyous. It's been great. It's been fabulous. You know, it's just, there were times along the way when God predetermined and his providence and his grace and his sovereignty, he was gonna shut nationwide lending down. But he had a plan. And at the time I didn't like it, that, and I got the advantage of looking in the rearview mirror and I go, okay, you were right, you were right, you were right about all of it. And at the end, brother, I'm at the end and it's joy, you know, it's joy, it's not, there's no bitterness, I'm not angry, I'm not angry at cancer, cancer's just the tool that God used in my life to mold me, to make me more like Jesus, that's the one.
Now, maybe I got a stronger personality, so he had to pick one stronger, right? I sure would. I'd much rather have had a proctologist than an oncologist, okay? Just go on record for that. But that's the one that he chose. And yet, in our lives, God will bring in adversity. We don't, I don't learn when things are going great in my life. All the great lessons have been learned when things are difficult and I'm struggling. And, and the truth is that if we're honest with ourselves, we're going to say the same thing, right? And so at those times, at, at the greatest adversity, it is to pray out to God and to say, I don't like this, but you brought this into my life. And help me, God, to grow from it. Help me to understand it. I want to grow from this. I want to learn. And then if it be your will, take it out of my life. And that would have been great if God had chosen to take me out of cancer. But if that's what you want, then, then Lord, you'll get the very best of me until time's up, you know. And that's, a, that's a difficult one, you know whether or not where you are right now is the, the maximum way that he can use your life to bring others. And if that's the case, if more people are going to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because I dealt with cancer at this point in my life, then hallelujah, I guess I'll get a lot more hugs in heaven. Uh, Tim went home to be with Jesus about eight days ago. Um, it's just so powerful that he lived his life for the glory of God all the way to the end. And he finished well. And I think about the Apostle Paul, probably when he wrote this letter, and he sent it off to Timothy from Rome to Ephesus. It's a pretty good chance that Paul was not alive when Timothy read this letter. And yet the power, the encouragement for us to say, hey, whenever that time comes, let us be finishing well. Not living with regret, but understanding the joy and the journey and what God's doing in our lives. And we can look back and say, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. It's not just how you start. It's how you finish. It's how you finish. You know, today's Memorial Day weekend, and, and I'm so thankful for the men and women, and many of you who've served our nation, served our country, or your parents, or your grandparents. My dad served in the Air Force, and I'm so thankful. And today's a day to remember, a time to be thankful, but also think spiritually. Think back of the people who've gone before us, the early disciples, the Apostle Paul, Timothy, church leaders around the world who many suffered persecution, just passing the baton, being faithful, Finishing well, passing the baton, next generation, next generation, next generation. Your parents, my parents, Tim Burke, and us. And now it's our turn. It's our turn. And we get one shot, we get one opportunity. How are we going to live it? What are we going to do for the glory of God? And I would just challenge us, don't get distracted with trivial things. Don't get to the end of life and just say, whoa, I went way over here. Stay, stay, step and step with the Lord. Because as Tim said, it's joy, even in the hard times. No regrets. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. And I'm going to live my life for his name, for his glory. Always remember this, right? It's not how you start. It's how you finish.
finish well. I can think of no better way to finish this series than by sharing communion together. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, brought his disciples together, and he said, guys, come, come here. He took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, my body, broken for you. I'm going to pay the price that, that you were supposed to pay. Because of your sins, the wages of sin is death, but I'm going to step in and pay the price. My body, broken for you. And after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this is the covenant, the new covenant, my blood poured out for you. The old covenant under the law, right? When we sinned, when we messed up, we were separated from God. But there's a new covenant of grace. And Jesus paid it all for us. So for whenever you take this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So as we focus on Jesus today, I'm going to invite you to come to the table. To take a piece of the bread, his body broken for you, dip into the cup, his blood poured out for you, and receive what only God can give. There's a gluten-free table over here. There's two tables on the side. There's a table down front. There's a table in the back that's a kid's table. And we know that there's some elementary kids in here today. And so for kids and parents, you can come back there. There'll be somebody from our family ministry team back there to kind of walk with you through communion. We know a lot of our kids are off at camp with adults, but the kids who are here love for you to come and share communion. And then there's also another table over here on the side. But this morning, as you come to the table, would it be a time to remember? Would it be a time to focus? And would it be a time for you to think, hey, am I finishing well? Am I headed in the right direction? Is Jesus the Lord of my life? And am I living it all for the glory of God? What's God saying to you as you come to the table today? Father God, here we are, your disciples. And God, we love you. And Father, I thank you for Paul. I thank you for Tim. I thank you for the words of encouragement, of challenge to every one of us, God, to finish well, to focus on you. And so we come this morning to your table, God, to receive the only gift that you could give, that we could have eternal life in you, that this world is not all that there is. Meet us in this moment. Meet us in this moment. Search our hearts. Know our anxious thoughts. See if there's any impure way in us, God, and lead us in your way everlasting. We come right now to receive. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and we come to the table. You're invited to come.